grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Dear friends of Christ, you know, during Lent, we repent of our sins, and, and we remember how tough it is for us to trust in Jesus. Well, now Jesus is being tested. And of course, this, our text takes place right after Jesus' baptism. So he was baptized, and, you, and of course you have that whole scene of the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, the Father and the voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes down on him, and then immediately after that the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. You know in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't lead us into temptation. And yet the Holy Spirit was leading Jesus into temptation. The Holy Spirit was leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the mouth of the roaring lion that's seeking to devour somebody? Why would the Holy Spirit take Jesus and let him deal with a diabolical one? who wanted nothing more than to destroy our Savior. Well, think about it this way. Jesus had to be tempted, just like we are, if He was going to be our Savior from sin. Jesus had to do battle with the devil. He had to do battle to defeat Him. So that's what's going on there. It's in the wilderness. It's a battlefield. But this battle isn't being won by guns and bullets. It's a spiritual battle. There would be a winner. There would be a loser. As sinners, you know, we can't fight that spiritual battle. As sinners, when the devil comes and tempts us, you know, we don't have weapons to fight back. The Bible says our hearts are sinful and so easily we give in. He tempts us and we like the ways of Satan. We like to be selfish. We like to think about ourselves. Our words hurt people and we don't have a problem with that. Our ways are dishonest and we don't have a problem with that. And we cannot withstand the wiles of the devil and his temptations. No, we're weak. We're weak and we sin. And that's why you've come to church this morning. You've come beaten and you've come bloodied and you've come bruised. You see, we've had many battles with Satan just this past week. And, you know, I can't say, I'm so proud of myself. I sure have done a great job fighting the temptation this past week. Every time the devil came to me, I just put him in his place. I was such a good guy. I'm so proud of what I've accomplished. I'm not. I'm not proud of what I've accomplished. I have to admit that Satan has had his way with me. I cannot find the victory in myself. I desperately need Jesus to crush Satan for me. 
to defeat my adversary so that I can have life. I desperately need Jesus to have the victory to defeat the devil for me. So this morning we're going to take a journey with Jesus into the wilderness where Jesus then crushes Satan as we consider our theme, defeating the devil. Now last week we talked about the tale of three mountains as I took you to the three different mountains which of course lead us to the cross. This week uh, we are in the wilderness. And the Bible uses the wilderness as a kind of a metaphor for sin and suffering and pain, absence from God, when times when we feel like God doesn't care about us, God doesn't love us. You're in the wilderness and you cry out to God and He's not listening. You cry out to God and He's not there and you have to trust that He's going to provide in the wilderness. And so that metaphor, I feel like the wilderness of despair. Well, there in the wilderness were the children of Israel. They'd just been delivered from slavery in Egypt and delivered through the waters and then brought into this desert, into this place of nothingness. And there's no water and there's no food. And the people begin to grumble and complain and they start to learn what it means to be hungry. And the Lord led them into this. Can you imagine that? The Lord led them into this place where there's no food and no water and they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're not happy. You remember how they grumbled against the Lord? Who just delivered them out of slavery with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. But the people weren't pleased. They were not pleased with God. God led them into the desert. They were hungry. They were disoriented. They were thirsty. And they said, God's led us into the wilderness to die. How many times when you're in a wilderness do you feel like maybe the Lord's abandoned you? That He's left you all alone? Maybe God is testing you. Maybe He's testing your faithfulness. Will you cling to His Word? Will you trust in God to provide For 40 years, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and they over and over again failed to trust in God to provide for them. But you remember what the Lord did for them? Do you remember what the Lord did? How Moses then struck the rock and water came forth and provided them water and manna, the bread from heaven, and quail each day, and he fed them a multitude. God provided And they continue to sin. They continue to grumble and complain. Satan would tempt them and they'd say, Ah, you're right, devil, this isn't a very good life. If God loved me, things would be better. God certainly doesn't care for us. And so they decided to follow the false gods. They decided to chase other gods. What would Jesus do? Hmm. I wonder what Jesus would do when he's led into the same situation, when he's now led into the wilderness and then feeling abandoned by God, dealing with hunger and starvation, would he turn his back on his heavenly Father? Would he seek to worship another God? Would he bow his knee to Satan who offered him the world? 
would Jesus trust in the Lord to provide? Or would he take things into his own hands? And this is when the devil appeared. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, turn this, tell this stone to become bread. <laughs> was Jesus hungry? He sure was. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. He was near starvation. But did, did Jesus have the power to turn the stones to bread? Well, he sure does. He's God. Not a problem for him. But listen, Jesus' stomach is just like your stomach. Jesus felt the pangs, just like you feel the pangs. He craved, had this strong craving for food and nutrition, just like your body craves food and nutrition. He was hungry. But he had to trust that his heavenly Father would provide just like he provided the children of Israel Jesus had to trust that God the Father had a plan despite the fact that he was near death and starvation Jesus had to be different than God's people who had wandered in the wilderness and felt abandoned by God in the wilderness and cried out and complained they failed to learn that the Word of God is all that they needed, that the Word of God would provide for them. Jesus had to succeed where everybody else had failed. Jesus had to trust that the Lord would provide. And you can bet that that temptation to turn those stones to bread was immense. Jesus had a problem because he had the power to turn the stones to bread. He had the power to feed himself. He had the power to fix the problem. But he couldn't do that. He had to lay all that aside. He had to trust in his heavenly Father just like you do. And yet without sin. Turning the stones to bread would mean that Jesus didn't trust in his heavenly Father and he's every bit the sinner that you are and that I am. And that would mean he couldn't be our Savior and Jesus couldn't let that happen because Jesus had come to defeat the devil. So Jesus deals with Satan head on and he said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone. The full quote is from Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All I need for food is the promise of God. Give me God's promise, and that's enough. I trust in it completely, entirely. Well, you're starving. Yes, I am, and if I die, I'll die in the Lord. Well, God doesn't want you to starve. Well, apparently He does. He's testing me, and I will pass this test. I will be faithful. All I need is the Word of God. That's enough. I don't need food. And when I need food, the Lord will provide. Jesus just needed the promise we find in Romans chapter 8. We know that God causes all things, even starvation, to work together for good to those who love God 
and who are called according to his purpose. And Jesus trusted in those words. He trusted in that promise that the Lord would provide even in starvation, even in the face of death. He trusted the Lord had a plan. And he did. Ultimately, though, that's not how we deal with the devil, is it? That's not how we deal with things. We, things get tough and then we find it difficult to trust. We can't stand up to Satan that way, and he's constantly doing everything in his power to get us to question God, to get us to doubt his promises, to get us to turn away from the Lord in the wilderness, to chase after other gods, to say other things are more important. Listen, are you feeling down today? Kind of abandoned by God? Oh, don't you dare trust in Jesus. Why don't, you have, why don't you just have a pity party? Just feel sorry for yourself. You'll feel better. Are you discouraged? Bad things happening in your life, relationships struggling. Oh, don't you dare trust in Jesus. No, just pop another pill, pour another drink. Make you feel better. Kick the dog, go yell at your wife or... Go yell at your mom and dad. Spend some money, go shopping. It'll make you feel better. You see, Satan knows where we are vulnerable, and we are vulnerable in the wilderness. Don't you see? We need a Savior. We need someone to defeat the devil on his own terms, in his own space. For us and Jesus does that he goes into that space and he stands there and he destroys the devil with faithfulness and it's a lesson that we all need to learn each and every day man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God undaunted Satan doesn't give up he never gives up he's hell-bent on destroying Jesus the same way he's destroyed your soul and mine. And Satan never gives up on us. He continues to try to lead you astray, to tempt you. He'll never go away until finally you're with the Lord in his new kingdom. But he's never giving up on you. Didn't give up on Jesus either. He takes him to this high place on the temple of Jerusalem, shows him all the kingdoms in the world, and he did it in a flash in an instant. You know, it scares us to think that Satan has that much power. That he can just flash images in our mind just like that. Images that tempt us. And he can just flash those things, all the kingdoms of the world, in a moment. And he showed all these things to Jesus and said, I'll give you all their authority and I'll give you their splendor for all of it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. Now understand this, Satan does, does, does not have the power to give it all. He doesn't own it. He didn't have the power to give it away. So why would he even think that Jesus would fall down and worship him? Where's the temptation in that? 
Well, listen, Satan's no bozo. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's presenting to Jesus the possibility of being the grand leader of all the kingdoms on earth. Jesus, do you love people? Look at how they're suffering. Look at their tears. They're hurting. You going to do anything about it? I'll give you the opportunity to do something about it. People are starving. Jesus, do you love them? Can you do something about that? People are in pain. Can you handle that? People are struggling under the under systems of injustice. Jesus, can you fix that? So it's better for the people? Families are fighting. People are divided. There's wars and rumors of war. There's so much anger, so much division, so much hatred, so much pain and suffering. Jesus, do you know how to handle that? Can you make it all better? The jails are overflowing with criminals. Jesus, can you handle that? Children are being aborted and killed. Jesus, can you handle that? Can you fix all the problems in the world right now? Make this place a heaven on earth. I have the power to make you do that. Can you imagine how tempting that would have been? For a man who loves people as much as Jesus loves us. How inviting it would have been to help all the needy people of the world with food and with shelter, with clothing. How wonderful it would have been to heal all the people's diseases, to take them out of the wilderness and say, there's no more suffering for you. I'll be your king. Can you imagine that he could do all of that right here, right now. And how easy it would have been for him to forget his mission, to forget his journey to the cross, to forget about suffering and dying for the sin of the world. Can you imagine how easy it would have been for Jesus to fix the problem of this world while losing the battles of the souls so that we could live in the world to come? It was a true temptation for Jesus, but he didn't flinch. He came to deal with the devil. He came to defeat the devil at his own game. To defeat the devil for you and for me. So Satan, Jesus crushes Satan's hopes by quoting Scripture. It is written, worship the Lord your God, serve Him only. No, Satan, you're not going to win. You're not going to win today. Not against this adversary. Jesus came to win that we might have eternal life in his name he came to win the kingdom of god for us and that's why one day he says i will give you my kingdom i'll put the head back on the kingdom i'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth where there is no more sin and no more suffering and no that's what revelation says revelation talks about this way he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more there's not going to be a wilderness anymore 
A day is coming where there is no more wilderness. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. No, Satan, Jesus will not save this world from all its brokenness, from all of our problems. However, he will save all those who believe in his name to everlasting life in his kingdom. But Satan wasn't done tempting Jesus. And this time, Satan reveals how cunning he is because Jesus keeps using Scripture against the devil, and so the devil says, I'll use Scripture against Jesus. He says, you like quoting Scripture? Well, how about this one? How about Psalm 91? It says, trust trust in God the Father, and He will send His holy angels to protect you. Just jump. Trust in Jesus. It's all about trusting, right? Trusting God. Just jump. Trust in your heavenly Father. He'll send the angels. He promised it. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. If you read those words in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, do not test the Lord your God as they did at Massah. You say, well, what is Massah? Massah was that place where right after God had brought, brought the children of wilderness through the waters, into the wilderness. They get into the desert, and there in the wilderness, they, they're hungry at Massah, and they're thirsty at Massah. And it's the place where the children of Israel begin to question the Lord's leadership, begin to doubt who He was, and they grumbled and complained, we're thirsty. And the Lord has brought us into this wilderness to die. No, my friends, the Lord did not bring them into the wilderness to die. He brought them into the, he led them into the wilderness to test them. He led them into the wilderness to test their faithfulness, and they failed. They sinned. They turned to other gods. They wanted to walk away. Not our Jesus. He did not test the patience of his heavenly father no he passed the test he defeated the devil and our text says and when the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until a more opportune time and then on the cross the more opportune time to kill our savior it was in that battlefield that jesus actually said it's done i've defeated him once and for all So this Lent, as we make the journey with Jesus to the cross, the one who is suffering and dying for us, remember who it is. Remember who it is who's making this journey. Remember what He's done for you, how He suffered to die for you, what He has borne for you. Remember Him. Thank Him. Trust in Him. No matter what wilderness you're walking through, that He will one day safely deliver you into His eternal kingdom and take you safely home. And in the meantime, celebrate his victory, the victory over the devil, and remember these comforting words from Isaiah. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you by my righteous hand. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and the life everlasting. Amen.